Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I hope you had a great weekend. I want to open up the show today in just a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, it seems like lots of uncertainty around us. There's so many people who need prayers today. I pray for those who are suffering health issues, those who are struggling economically and for healthcare workers and first responders and so many other public servants who put themselves every day in harm's way. I pray for the leaders of the world, our countries, our states, our cities, and everywhere around the world as they seek to help manage so many challenges that are right before us today. And for the situation in the Ukraine and the devastation from action that Russia may be taking. Oh God, it can be overwhelming, but you tell us over and over not to be afraid. So we are choosing to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I've got a a happy schedule. I've got Patrick coming on in just a minute to get things off uh, on the right foot on this President's Day. And then the Monday afternoon mix with David Miles. And then Dr. Bob Moeller is going to be joining me in the second hour. And Peter Kaftner is going to join in as well. So it's going to be a great show. But Patrick always gets my money started on a little bit of a lighter note. He is from the great state of Iowa. Patrick, welcome. Thank you. A great prayer to to kick things off. I think you got it all covered. I hope I did. I hope I did. Well, happy President's Day. I know kids had the the day off from school, and uh, we're talking about uh, presidents a little bit here. Uh, I thought maybe I would quiz you a little bit to see how your chops are. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, Now, these would be American presidents, or are we? (laughs) Yeah, these are are American presidents. I I might have studied the wrong country. I'm sorry. (laughs) uh, That's just uh, like you. uh, Yeah. You don't... No, Lithuanian presidents, I am good. Okay. I'll do my best. All right. I'll do my best. So I don't think these are super hard questions, but how many presidents were assassinated? Uh, well, there's got to be uh, four, 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 four. Exactly correct. Exactly four. correct. The yeah, the obvious I, I ones would be, would be who? Yeah. Lincoln, Kennedy, that would be the obvious ones. Lincoln and Kennedy. Who else? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see, uh, not Garfield the Gar- cat. But, no, <laughs> Garfield the president. Garfield. Yeah. Garfield the president and McKinley. Exactly. Exactly, McKinley. Yes. Yeah. And the uh, John, uh, Lincoln and Kennedy, uh, the vice presidents that took over when they were assassinated, were both named Johnson. Andrew Johnson. Uh, that's interesting. And Lyndon B. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, let me ask a question. Is that why we remember Lincoln and Kennedy and not Garfield and McKinley? Because we remember their vice presidents? Maybe, Maybe. so. Maybe so. Uh, or I guess they did other things, too. I guess they did some other things. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So how many How many both? died while in office? Ooh, I, I know many have had their agenda die while in office. That's true. <laughs> that has happened, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, actual physically yeah. uh, departing. Uh, while in office. I think, isn't that f- four as Again, well? you are correct. That is that is very impressive. William H- Henry Harrison, he died only after 30 days yeah. of being in office. 
Oh, that's right. He didn't he catch pneumonia where he gave a very long, 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 long speech. Yeah. He'd still be doing it today if, <laughs> if he hadn't caught pneumonia. Yeah. And uh, and then he kind of retired to the White House and said, I don't feel so good. Yeah. And uh, and then he died like a month later. Yeah. Yeah. And then, didn't of course, much done. Of course, yeah. FDR died as president in office. And then can yeah. you think of the, the other two might be tough? See how smart you are. Did you pay attention in class in high school? No, more importantly, did I pay attention to how to use Google? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's so not of course, fair. Off then. the top of my head is going to be Zachary Taylor and, of course, Warren G. Harding. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Warren G. Harding. Yeah. And, you know, the presidents right. have, were all so many interesting things about them. I'm just going to talk about a couple because it is President's Day, and yeah. let's reflect on yeah. some of the presidents. Thomas Jefferson wrote his own epitaph. And including in his many accomplishments, the one accomplishment he didn't list was being president. Now, I, I wish we could get back to a time like that. Yeah. Because, it, 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 I mean, weren't even elected representatives, not necessarily elected representatives. It was almost like, say, uh, look, I understand you have this successful law practice and you've got your family life and you've got this wonderful thing going, but we need you to serve as a senator. Right. And, uh, you know, we'll limit it. It'll just be, how about six years? Can you just, can you just give your country six years of your life? And, and people would sometimes do it reluctantly. They, they would say, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. I have other things I want to do. And certainly very, very few, I, 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 you know, it's not like I'm a, an expert on the topic, but they didn't make it, uh, you know, they didn't serve for 50 years. Right. They, they do a term or two and say, well, I'm going to get back to my real life. You guys do this. It's somebody else's turn. I'm, I'm passing the baton. Yeah. I wish we could get back to that. I, I love that Jefferson didn't, you know, put that. Uh, I think Socrates wrote his own epitaph that just said, I drank what? <laughs> that was. <laughs> well, James Madison, was... he thought his voice was too annoying to become a minister. So he went into politics instead. He was the shortest president, too, at five foot four. Isn't that funny? These days, we wish that a lot of people who are our ministers would run for political office because they'd be much more pleasant to listen to. More people would, uh, I wish they would take James Madison's device. So he, but he said I, he wanted to be a minister, couldn't do it because his, he was, his voice was annoying. Well, that's was what he thought. Too short. That's what he thought. But yeah. he, I hear he represented the Lullaby League quite well. Yes, though, he did. So <laughs> yes, he did. He did. And in 19, 1821, James Monroe received every electoral vote except one. That delegate didn't want to spoil George Washington's record as the only president voted in um, unanimously. So his, his administration, if you remember, James Monroe, was marked by the acquisition of Florida, where he imagined one day buying a condo in Boca and retiring. Of course. I probably made that and up. That's why he didn't get that. He didn't get that last delegate. Right. right. I had my eyes on that condo. I yeah. had my eyes on that yeah. place. John, outbid me. John Quincy Adams owned a pet alligator he kept in the East Room of the White House. Go figure. Uh, now, coincidentally, John Quincy Adams was also the only president never had to have anybody argue with his agenda. <laughs> Don't make me bring out Bruno. <laughs> have you met my pet? <laughs> Martin Van Buren was the first president born in the United States. He grew up speaking Dutch because his parents were Dutch. And if you're having trouble picturing him, uh, think of Grandpa from the Monsters. Yes. You know, now I went to a uh, Catholic grade school uh, and uh, all the Dutch kids had a middle van. It was it was it was always it was. 
Van Hel, Van, Van, Van Buren, Van <laughs> mm-hmm. Heising, Van. Right. It was everybody had Van. It was it was really easy to pick them out. Uh, it seems to have been dropped. Yeah. But uh, wow, per, Grandpa per, from the Munsters. Well, you kind of picture that that look, don't you, of Martin Van Buren? Yeah, I, I think so. And and, and in addition, I, talk about a squeaky voice. I think Grandpa had a squeaky <laughs> voice. Yeah. Let's go back to President wow. John Tyler. Pretty busy guy. He fathered 15 kids. Wow. Yeah. And that did not, and that is not a president who died in office. No, (laughs) no, no, no. 15 kids. Yeah. So, uh, President Polk. Oh, wait. Oh, no. I have some interesting info about John Tyler. Well, let's hear it. By the way. So, 15 kids. Now, do you know when John Tyler was born? Um... off the top of your head. I don't off the top of my head. 1790. Okay. Okay. So 1790, that is a long, long time ago. September of 2020, his grandson died. Oh, wow. Grandson. What? His other grandson is still alive. That's just nuts. Not great-great-grandson or great-great-great-grandson. So he was born in 1790, and there is a living grandson wow. of President John Tyler. He's Zachary Tyler. 90, 93 now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, yo, John Tyler, of course. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That's, throw, yeah. that's throwing me off. It, it, I, it, it's, it's so hard to grasp because you think, well, you know, I, I don't have to go back very many generations, and they're all gone, and to think that, a grandchild of somebody born in 1790. I, I, I would consider 1890 quite the miracle. Right. Uh, yeah, but yeah, 1790. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. And President Polk uh, hosted the first annual Thanksgiving dinner at the White House in 1845. And I think he ate uh, a lot at that meal just to reduce his anger from watching the Detroit Lions lose yet again. Yes. Well, that was only the third year they lost. <laughs> so... <laughs> If he were here today, yeah. he'd be quite surprised. All right, not to confuse John Tyler with Zachary Taylor, but he used to always refuse to pay extra postage if someone sent him a letter without enough postage on it. That's why he didn't learn about his inauguration for president until almost a week after it was announced. Uh, now, Zachary Taylor would have loved email. This is just oh, very yes. inexpensive to send a note back and forth. So, in other words, if somebody didn't send include enough postage... He, he didn't return a letter. He, like if they, if they sent him a letter and it didn't have enough postage on it and, and, the, and the postmaster comes and says, you owe me a cent. No, I, he doesn't delivered. pay. He doesn't pay. It's it's not delivered. And even you know, on the outside of the envelope says, you must open by midnight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Offer expires soon. What <laughs> <laughs> was postage back then? It'd be like a penny or two. Who knows? It's a principle. Oh. It's not the money. It's the principle. You know that, Patrick. And, and we need more presidents that care about the budget that much that they say, absolutely not. Right. I will not accept that letter. Right. Wow. Andrew Johnson was illiterate when he got married at age 18. His wife taught him how to read and write and then encouraged him to go find a job where being illiterate until you're 18 wouldn't matter. <laughs> uh, now, to, to be fair, he didn't start as president right away. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And nine, nine presidents never went to college. So could that happen today? I don't think I mean, so. We, 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 be, we bestow a certain uh, level of, well, you must be smart because you went to college. Right. And we were told if we went to college, we'd be smart. 
So um, you know, could somebody who went to college vote for somebody who didn't go to college because they would say that person isn't as smart as me? Mm-hmm. They, they, I should be president. Right. I went to college. Right, wow. right. It's changed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and Benjamin Harrison uh, was the grandson of William Henry Harrison. Uh, that yeah. He was the president that died of pneumonia after 30 days in office. His grandson, Benjamin, uh, I think took no chances. He wore long underwear to his inauguration, and his short speech was, I'm here for four years, enjoy the meatballs. And then he was seen running back into the White House. Oh, that was back when they did the potluck dinner. <laughs> <laughs> or it was buffet style, actually. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, how about well, this? Finally, a Harrison got to serve a term. Yeah. yeah. Herbert, Herbert Hoover uh, and his wife spoke Chinese when they didn't want to be understood I don't think that would fly today either. I don't know if that would uh, fly today, although we have had some presidents that uh, spoke English when they didn't want to be understood. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I think that's enough president talk. Let me take take a little break. Patrick Albanese is my guest to get things started on this uh, lovely Monday. Tomorrow's Tuesday, 2-22-22. That's going to be crazy. Be right back. I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. So glad to start my Monday with Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines. So, uh, Patrick, uh, it's been very fun talking about presidents. I think there's a couple of things that we left out that would be kind of, kind of fun to talk about. Um, I didn't know that FDR was so superstitious. He apparently canceled appointments on Friday the 13th, and he, he wouldn't sit at tables of 13. And he had five adult kids that between them had 19 marriages, 15 divorces, and 29 children. Wow. That's a lot of kids. Is it also true that he didn't speak to them uh, when they were age 13? Just I, That's a good a question. Off. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting what that, what people did for careers prior to politics. Harry S. Truman owned a clothing store before he entered politics. No excuse for not looking sharp, right? You're going to look your best, you know? You're going to look your best. Yeah. yeah. I think his slogan yeah. was, you're going to like the way I look in the White House, I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I don't know if that's really true, though, you know, but... Uh... But now, wasn't it, part of that that is true is that when presidents left office, it was kind of a non-event. They kind of just went back to their <laughs> to their life. They did. And, uh, you know, they, they put out a shingle and, you know, uh, Truman's opening up another clothing store. He wasn't making money from public speaking. No. So I, have to, I have to get back to work. Right. To go do something. Yeah, there was apparently, uh, he got in his car with his wife and one Secret Service car followed him to the entrance of his home in Kansas, and he waved goodbye, and they pulled into the driveway, and Secret Service left, or an, an escort. It wasn't Secret Service back then, I don't think. Yeah, but uh, still true to form, they did give him uh, a free package of stamps, so that was kind of <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. You get, don't you get the postage? I remember when you were younger, didn't you think, well, this is one of the nice perks. You get free postage. <laughs> when, when, you, when you become president... You get postage for life, free postage. Mm-hmm. Well, that could really add up. Yeah. I don't know what I was thinking back then. Yeah. Okay, the, uh, the youngest president to be in office was who? 
Uh, kind of a trick question. Yeah. Well, no, he uh, he's the coach of the Los Angeles Rams, right? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. He was the youngest guy to win a Super Bowl, I think. Uh, is he, I don't is he the youngest he, guy? Well, he, coach of the Rams? Maybe not. Okay. They're all so young now. I'm I know. So used Everybody's to, young. You know, the coaches used to be old. Now they're, they're you know, fresh out of college. And uh, what's your first job? Super Bowl champion. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, no. No, who's the youngest? Uh, Teddy, the, the youngest Teddy Roosevelt. President? He had the distinction of being the youngest president to be in office at age 42. Ooh, but, but now, but not by much though, no. right? Because wasn't uh, JFK was a pretty young man. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think mm-hmm. um, Obama was not. Obama was young yeah, too. So was, 40, I, I, I'm. Yeah. Was I'm, Obama forty six? Obama's age. Was he forty six or forty four? Uh, yeah, forty, forty six, forty seven, yeah. maybe. That was, that was one of those. So I'm the same age as Barack Obama. And uh, when he got elected president, I thought, well, look what I've done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, this is why you can't compare yourself to people. You say, you know, what should you have accomplished at this age in your life? You say, well, this other guy from Chicago, he's done a little bit better than me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> hey, I got a question for you. I, I, I remembered it. I never did ask you. You finally got that dishwasher installed. Have you heard it running yet? Because I was, you made me laugh so hard when you got a dishwasher installed and you said to the technician, uh, now, is it true that I won't be able to hear this running? And he said, it's running now. Well, no. I, yeah. I, as he said, I said, it really is quiet. Huh? He goes, yeah. I said, say, would you um, just uh, before you leave, run it? So just to make sure everything's working and nothing's leaking. And he said, it's been running for the last 10 minutes. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. It's like you're in a Palmolive commercial. <laughs> Mild. <laughs> you, you've been soaking it. You know? <laughs> wow. Oh, where'd that come so, from, by the way? You going anywhere with I, this bit? I have no, uh, because I, have, I was about to turn the dishwasher on in my house before doing the radio show, and I thought, oh, the noise. And then I thought, no, the dishwasher doesn't make any noise. And then I remembered you had a dishwasher that uh, that didn't make any noise, and I just thought of that. I, oh, okay. All right. People upstairs are making noise. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the... I'm in the as, as each child was born, I got moved to further and further corners of the house until eventually I found my rightful place in the basement, as yeah, you know. That makes sense. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of technology, and this will be my last, last thing about presidents, the first president to have a phone in the White House. Who would that have been? Uh, and where, where, you... where along the, the presidential line would a phone show up in the White House? Let's Ooh. just say it would be the 17th president to get a phone uh, in the White House. Rutherford oh, B. Hayes. Rutherford B. Rutherford Hayes. B. Hayes, yep. And it was personally installed by the inventor himself, Alexander Graham Bell, who said he'd be out Tuesday between the hours of 9 and 3. He didn't show up till Thursday. <laughs> you know. Nice when you have the inventor come on over and... Uh, and, and uh... Right. Uh, now, I've been uh, so the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library, and I like to go to presidential libraries. So they've got one of the old Air Force, I think it might be the very first Air Force One that was built. And, uh, of course, you know, I think it was a 727. And you go through it now, and you think, I would never fly in this bucket of bolts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, they're showing off this technology from back then, and that uh, they'd say, look at this, there was a, a telephone and uh, and you could get uh, they eventually put a fax machine in and then there's television and you're thinking, you know, you, you, you have to remind yourself that 
in the the seventies, I think when that plane was built, this was light years beyond, uh, you know, what any of us could get. Uh, you go to television, you right? Know, they, they added the, the the technology, but so the first phone. I wonder how long he sat by that phone just waiting for it to ring. Nobody else had one. I know. Well, Alexander Graham Bell, I'm sure, was the first person who called him, and then he wanted to know if he wanted to bundle his phone with Pony Express to, for savings. <laughs> that's what I'm guessing happened. But I don't know that's for a fact. The, that's where the savings add up. Yeah. I, I think so. You know, I think that's so. That's, uh, you've really done your work for President's Day. I'm impressed. Well, thank you. I, I like, I'm, I'm entertained by presidents. I think it's uh, interesting as we see all the quirks of presidents. You know, they all have quirks. Yes. And we've only had 46. 46, yep. 46 presidents, uh, whereas it seems like thousands have run to be president. Just More. the last election alone, I think it was a few, <laughs> a few thousand. Mm-hmm. Ran. So but, uh, yeah. let me let me ask you this: Is it uh, has Girl Scout cookie season started in your neighborhood? Yeah, they're very aggressive, and <laughs> uh, you know. So the price has gone up from four dollars to five dollars. Now, also, so I have five sisters, uh, all of whom were Girl Scouts, and so I grew up eating Girl Scout cookies. You'd go down in the freezer, and the ones that never got collected. We capped, and they were always, they were never the Thin Mints, just so you know. Uh, and then my daughter was a Girl Scout for a few years, but uh, so they've gone up to $5, and now uh, they, they don't go door to door anymore. They uh, they ambush you at the grocery store. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, you can go into any handful of stores, and, and you'll, you say, I just I just ran into four Girl Scouts at the last place I went to. Wow! And you know you go to get an oil change, and there's the there's another Girl Scout, and now the Boy Scouts, uh, which I never understood. I think when I was a kid they sold chocolate bars. You go okay, cookies, chocolate bars. People like these items, and the Boy Scouts at some point in time moved to some stale popcorn. <laughs> have you ever have you ever, have you bought the stale popcorn? No, I haven't. It, it comes in a collector tin. You know, so if you like like Mount Rushmore, you go, well, I've had tin with Mount Rushmore on it full of stale popcorn, and it was really pricey. Mm -hmm. I, you say, well, it's the collector tin. Say, I, I don't I don't need any more collector tins. <laughs> well, so uh, in fact, I was I was somewhere else earlier today. My, my daughter calls me and says the dog is barking like crazy. There's somebody outside. I don't know what they want. Um, I said, well, good thing calling me, you know, uh, you know, take a look out front, see if there's a worker's truck. And she says, oh, it's my friend, <laughs> <laughs> my friend Thomas. And Thomas is a Boy Scout. And he said, no, no, no. I said, I said, no popcorn. I don't want any of this stale popcorn. We never eat it. The dog won't eat it. If the dog won't eat it, it can't be that good. And he said, no, 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 it's bread. I go, oh, bread. Great. Well, it was $14 for a loaf. Wow. <laughs> So prices yeah, have, prices have come down. I'm hoping I'm hoping it's just as stale as the popcorn. Yeah, Patrick, thanks. Been uh, Thank very you. enjoyable to talk about presidents. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Yep. After a short break, it's the Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles will be joining me. Be right back.
Monday, Monday, Monday. It's the Monday afternoon mix. We're all my peeps, though. Pastor David Miles is in Los Angeles. Rosie's on her way back from Atlanta. It's just me in the lonely studio with Ryan, and we're doing great over here, but we're missing you guys. David, welcome. Well, good to see you. Well, good to hear you, Bill. And um, here are that supposed to have like 12 inches of snow. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that. Yeah, it's, it's 64 out here, so I get to oh. be that person, you know, who calls and is like, oh, it's so cold out, it's 64 yeah. degrees. Stop with your hate okay. speech. I know, that's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I thought maybe with Rosie out, we'd just take a, 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 a one-week detour from our Sermon on the Mount. I wanted her to be involved in that as we wrap things up there, and I thought it'd be really nice to take a little detour into uh, Galatians chapter 2. Are you up for that? I am up for that, Bill. In Galatians 2, um, verses 11 through 20, it actually has one of the most well-known Bible verses uh, that people have, Galatians 2.20. Bill, have you ever had to memorize this one? I have memorized it, and I memorized it years and years ago. Okay, so how about you read Galatians 2.20 for us? I have been crucified—I don't have to read it. I've been crucified with Christ, and I— I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay. That is a beautiful verse. And in my time at North Dakota State University as a NCAA All-American in track and field, some of my fellow athletes would write that verse on their shoes. So context of that verse, what's that verse mean? What does it mean? Uh, you cut out there for a minute, David, so I didn't hear everything you said. I was going to say, what's, what's the context of Galatians 2.20? Uh, that I have surrendered my life. I have uh, died in my sin. I have been buried uh, with Christ, and I no longer live. I now uh, live a life where Christ lives in me. Yes. And, you know, one of the things that's helpful to understand that is to know context. Because if we don't understand the context, we can be inclined to proof text. And if we're not doing proper exegesis, meaning taking from Scripture what's there, we can be inclined to do eisegesis and put things in there. Right. Um, context is something beautiful. It's like, it's like the uh, well-known hymn, uh, It Is Well With My Soul, uh, by Horatio Spafford. Love that hymn. Absolutely beautiful. And what makes it more powerful is when you hear the story and the context of what led him to write that hymn. Yes. So one of the beautiful things about Scripture, Bill and Ryan, is that the Bible actually tells us what the context is for Galatians 2.20, this wonderful verse. In verse 11, it opens up and it says, But when Cephas, and this is Paul writing to the Galatians, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Now, that just seems like a simple reading, Bill, but we need to stop for a moment and think. It says, but when I came, but when Cephas came to Antioch, this would be like Cephas as in Cephas being Peter, Mm -hmm. as as in Cephas being Peter of the Matthew 16, 16, where Jesus said, on my rock, I will build my church, Peter. So, yeah, so this is the Peter that the new kid on the block, Paul, confronts him. And why does he confront him? Well, verse 12 tells us, For before certain men came from James, 
he was eating with the Gentiles. But when he came, but when they came, he drew back and separated himself. And so, you know, this whole thing is that Peter's hanging out, eating, you know, famous days. And if not eating famous days, he was sharing table fellowship with Gentiles. And it's saying that when fellow Jews came from Jerusalem, uh, he began to withdraw himself and to draw back from them. And, uh, you know, we've, as, as people living in a broken world, we've, we've experienced that in our lives of feeling people almost like separate themselves, you know, from us. Yeah, like all the time. It happens often, right? Yeah, and I mean, like, one of the things that we're going to see in today's message and in today's passage is this issue of labels. The labels, you know, we know them. Um, we, we've had them shared about us. Some labels are good, you know. Some labels are, are bad. And, uh, you know, recently with the Olympics, we've got to hear labels like gold medalists, silver medalists, bronze medalists. Um, I had the joy of watching Jesse Duggins from Afton Alps, a fellow Minnesotan, take the uh, silver in that unbelievable uh, cross-country ski thing that's amazing uh, what they go through to do that. And, uh, but she, she's been given this label of being a civil medalist. Um, and some people get gold medalists. Now, the other thing, speaking about gold, some have grown up in households where they've lived with a golden child or were the golden child. Mm-hmm. And others were labeled as being the black sheep. Um, some have had people tell white lies, little white lies about them, but they were still damaging nonetheless. So this idea of labels, you know, we, we understand them. We've experienced them. And, and one of the things that, that I would ask is, what are some of the labels that you have heard, and what are some of the labels that you believe about yourself? Well, this could get personal. Are we suggesting that we ask listeners to maybe text in the word that they had as a label, either good or bad? Yeah, that would be really great. That would be really great. So and uh, That's, ahead, that's some vulnerability, so maybe listeners would be open to that. Maybe they're not, but either way, you would be anonymous if you had a label that you got uh, stuck with at a younger age, you know, maybe you were uh, responsible or maybe you were the troublemaker or w- whatever label you were given, how that, what, what, what that word was, what that label was. If you'd be willing to text it over, we'd love to read it on the air. Of course, not attach your name to it, but just remain anonymous. And it'd be curious to see what kind of responses come in, how many are positive and how many would be uh, troubling. So the, the number is 877 877- Nine three three two four eight four eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Pastor David Miles is my guest. He's a uh, associate professor here at the University of Northwestern and also a pastor at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota. And we're talking about uh, labels uh, today. So, David, please continue. Well, one of the things, Bill, that made me even think about this um, was, you know, recently we're in a series in Galatians at New Hope Church. But my heart was broken this past weekend, and the reason why is that I heard the story of a, a 12-year-old boy named Drake Hardman. He's from County, Utah, and uh, a little over a week ago, um, 
he had come home and people were wondering where he's at because he didn't show up for practice. But he had experienced bullying. And Tool's sister came home to find that he had attempted to take his life. Mm. They took him to the hospital, and he passed away the next morning. Oh, no. Oh, no. And, uh, you know, that week he had experienced bullying. He had, uh, you know, he came home with a black eye. His parents, Andy and Jamie Hardman, you know, had reached out to the school. And, and really, Bill, like, my heart, my heart hurt, seriously. Like, I sat at my desk just in tears because I've, I, I tire of hearing young children. We lost him there for a second. Oh, there we're back. Oh, can you hear me? I, yep. I tie, I, my heart hurts of hearing, you know, young children, village bears, um, losing their lives or, or com- committing suicide. And so my heart broke for that. My heart broke for, for Andy and Jamie, his parents, who found him. And, you know, Bill, you know, I've shared my story of failed suicide attempt. And part of that's because of some of the labels that were, that were said to me that I believe. Now, my first name is David. It starts with the D. Uh, but growing up as a chocolate Norwegian, there were some people who thought my last name had six letters that started with an N and ended with an R. Mm. But one of, the, one of the beautiful things about it is that God... God wants to give us a new name. And in in our passage today, we see uh, that of all the labels, out of all the labels that people have, two are one that really affect us all. And it's in this passage, and it's sinner and justified. You know, and that that's what the power of the gospel does is that it justifies us. And so before before taking a moment, Bill, one of the things that I want to say is that for our listeners, they may have heard a number of labels in their life, but I want to let them know, and I want us to let them know that you are not a waste of space. You are not a loser. Mm-hmm. You, are, you are not alone. You are, you are not a mistake. Uh, you are not, you know, weak. All these various things that people have said to you, um, God looks at you and he says, you know what? You're an image bearer. I made you in my image and I love you. And, and so, so that's, that's, one of, that's the context of this verse because the, the Gentiles, as we were reading in this passage, Paul confronts Peter because he withdraws from the Gentiles that he had been having table fellowship with. Now, we, we like to get in God's word. And what's interesting is I want to read verse 12 with a little bit of the emphasis of the ancient language. Because it goes like this. Because, Paul, there's these Greek imperfect tenses that are used. So it sounds like this. For before certain men came from James, Peter was continually and habitually eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, the Jews, he continually and habitually drew back and continually and habitually separated himself. So it wasn't a one and done. Mm -hmm. So why would Peter do this? Why would Peter do this? Well, I love the Bible because it tells us. What's What's the next phrase after that? After he separated himself, it says what? The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy. Before that. So 
they separated themselves, fearing oh. the circumcision party. Oh, because because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Right. Right. That 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 word that we get phobia from. Okay. And it's amazing how much idolatry of our heart comes from the fear of man and really the worship of what other people think about us. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bill, for a moment, think about this. This wasn't Peter's first rodeo dealing with fear like this. If we remember in the Gospels, all four of the Gospels address that the last week of Jesus's life, Peter tells Jesus that he's going to have his back forever. But then we find him in a, out by a group of people, and they're like, hey, weren't you with that Galilean? And Peter denies it. Actually, in Matthew and Mark, it actually says that he invoked a curse on himself and swore, I don't know that man. And immediately the cock crowed. And so Peter experienced that fear of people that led him to deny Jesus. Now, Jesus restores them, and in in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches the powerful service on Pentecost. In Acts chapter 4, he tells the leaders, whether it's right to obey men or God, we have to obey what we've seen. Well, then you come to chapter 9, and God gives Peter a vision bill, a vision saying that the Gentiles, that they weren't unclean. And he goes to Cornelius' house, and the Holy Spirit is poured upon them, and he sees these Gentiles come to faith in Jesus, and he spends many days with them. So here you have Peter that had a vision from God, but the fear of other people led him to deny those very Gentiles that not only was he eating meals with, but part of eating meals was actually taking the Lord's Supper together. Mm. So, so that that's that's a really it's a really powerful it's a really powerful thing, and because Jews didn't like Gentiles, they were the other. Yeah, right. So for Peter to be doing this, it, it came to the attention of people down in Jerusalem, and there were people who came up and they're like, "Hey, Peter, um, we have other Jews who don't want to come to faith in Jesus because you're hanging out with these Gentiles, and you know it's kind of making kind of a mess." And um, you know, can you cut it out? Yeah. David, let's uh, take a short break. When we come back, we have to do. We have some church that we are going to do because uh, there's some messages coming in, and we just need to surrender these to prayer. There's people who have been wounded by name calling, and uh, one in particular. I just want to uh, petition the throne room of heaven today for this dear person, Pastor David Miles is my guest. Monday afternoon mix minus Rosie B. We'll be right back. Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles is with me today. Rosie B is not; she's traveling. But David, I want to encourage uh, uh, listeners if they were given a label when they were younger, or even possibly as a young adult, or even in, as an adult, that 
has been hurtful, that you've listened to a lie. Uh, you were told that you were uh, something that just was really hurtful to you. Let me, let me know what it is. If, you're, uh, if you want to, we'd like to pray for you. The first couple of messages that came in, uh, when, my, when I was young, my dad called me fat and lazy. Later, I became the black sheep of the family. Another one came in saying I was just called fat girl. And there's little emojis with tears pouring out of the emojis. And then another uh, dear listener said, I needed to hear this today as I've been dealing with thoughts of suicide. Thank you. I'm not a waste of space, and you are not. You're a beautiful gift, precious in God's sight. Amen. You, you, are, you are so uh, incredibly unique. And, you know, one of the things is that I, I just want to encourage everyone, and, and maybe for those who are driving, please pay attention to the road, but hold your thumb up like you're giving a thumbs up. And if you hold up your thumb and you look at it, there are these little ridges that are formed on your thumb. Those ridges are formed three months inside of your mother's womb. And even if you had a twin and we were to take fingerprints, they would be different. What am I getting at? There will never, ever be another one of you for all of eternity. That literally when God made you, he broke the mold. And then he sent his son to shed his eternal blood for you. And you have infinite and eternal value in God's sight. You, God sent his son. You are worth a son to the Father. That's how valuable you are. And just because others have really bad vision and haven't been to the spiritual optometrist at Heavenly Lens Crafters <laughs> does not speak to the reality of how God sees you and how God made you. And for all of you, and, and, and I'm grateful for those who have who've written in and those who have thought in. What I mean is you might not have ta- typed a text message or sent an email, but you've thought in on the things that have been said to you and the things that have been um, mentioned to you. One of the things, like, guys, listen, I'm, I'm on this call as a person who failed a suicide attempt. And one of the things that I'm thankful for is for someone who's spoken to my life. And one of the things that I say is that people had labels for me. People even thought that they knew me. But what they did not know was the God who had a plan for my life. And if you're breathing today, and I want you to stay that way, God has a plan for your life. And he wants to use you. And he wants to know you. And that one of the things that we wrestle with is that we often think that good times won't last and that bad times will never end. And God wants to remind us that, yes, weeping endures for a night, but joy does come in the morning. Yes, Jesus died on a cross on a Friday, but he rose to life on a Sunday. So please, if you're contemplating ending your life, the story's not done. Let God show up and show off in your life. Please, I I plead that of you. And, 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 and listen, if God can work with someone that's tore up from the floor up as me, oh, my, my dear friends, he can work in and through you as well. Mm-hmm. Pastor David Miles is my guest. This is the Monday Afternoon Mix. We're talking about labels today, and if you 
were given a label, you somebody said something to you, uh, maybe it was positive, uh, maybe it was negative, and, and you you struggled, you suffered as a result of the negative label. I'm curious as to what that label was, if you would be uh, vulnerable enough to text it over. Of course, I will not mention any names, uh, but 877-933-2484. You know, sometimes, David, uh, random off-the-cuff comments you, you think aren't meant to mean any harm in any way uh, cut right to the bone for people. And yeah. I don't know who created this lie, but sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That couldn't be any more false. That that would that that that's a worse lie than some of the people that you've heard sing on American Idol. <laughs> and Simon Cow is dogged him out here. They're like, my mama said I could sing. <laughs> it's like uh, she wasn't truthful. Yeah. You know, but here's here's the beautiful thing. I mean, like we've been called a bunch of bunch of names, and we've been called a bunch of things. All of us, you know, and that that's the respect of a, like race, gender, national, you know, family background. We've we've known what it is to experience the wounding of words, and I I remember, um, you know, doing a, a a domestic abuse Sunday, and preaching a message out of Malachi two on the slippery slope of unfaithfulness, and remember someone coming to me and they were sharing, you know, like they had been through abuse, and they said, you know, a lot of people say that words don't matter. And they were like, some of the words that have been said to me have stuck around longer than some of the other uh, the wounds that are happened. And, and hear me clear on this. Those wounds, whether verbally, emotionally, mentally, physically, financial, that is wrong. Mm-hmm. Period. It is wrong. And if you are a guy or even a gal, because 75% of of Domestic abuse is men towards women, but there is also women towards men. But listen, if you're listening right now, you're driving, I want to plead with you that that person across from you, that's God's daughter. And that's God's son. That's just not any ordinary person. That's that's a child of God. And Bill, we've been called a lot of things, but I love when 1 John 3, what it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called. You want a name calling? God called. Children of God. And I love the NIV because it says, and that's exactly what we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I, could, if I could name some names that God calls us, let's start with beloved. Then let's, let's say forgiven. Let's say redeemed. Let's say delivered. Let's say loved. Let's say worthy. Those are a bunch Amen. of my fastballs. Did you hit any of them? That's a lot of fastballs. Yeah, the man. bat never left your shoulder, did it? It didn't leave my bat. It didn't leave. <laughs> I mean, that was faster than, you know, Arolis Chapman's 103-mile-an-hour right. fastball. I mean, you, yours were like 200 miles an hour. Ah, I'm coming at you, brother. You better be ready. But this is uh, something uh, with just a minute left, David. I'd love for you to pray for uh, the the listeners today. I got a nice uh, comment as well from uh, someone who made that the, the point too that there's so many people right now suffering uh, with unspoken hurt. And this particular uh, gentleman said he's grateful God carried him through rough times. Uh, so let's just close out in prayer, if you would. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you 
uh, for your love for us that not only do you call us image bearers, uh, but you called us, as Bill said, beloved, beloved enough to send your son to die for us. And God, I pray your healing upon the hearts and the minds and the spirits of people today, who even as they sit in tears and, and wonder who are they, God, would you love on them? God, would you use other believers and followers of Jesus to be those who speak life and words to their neighbors, to their coworkers, to that student that they're teaching, to the little boy down the block or the little girl in, in their little in their youth group. God, use us to be those who speak healing words, true words, and good words. And Jesus, thank you that you spoke the words that is finished and gave your life because you're like, for the joy set before us, you endured the cross, scorned the shame and make intercession for us that we might have life because you consider us and want us to be your sons and daughters of the kingdom. So we love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for all those who are listening. God, sustain them in your grace. Special prayer for Andy and Jamie Hardman and their family with the loss of Drake. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm, Thank you, David. So nice to have you uh, on the show today, despite being in Los Angeles. Have a nice trip. I'll see you next week. Sounds good, Bill. Thank you, guys. You bet. Pastor David Miles for the Monday afternoon mix. I always look forward to Monday. I love Mondays, and why not? Coming up next, Dr. Bob Moeller is going to be joining uh, Peter Kapster and I for a very interesting discussion on marriage. That's all next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.